Spanning the nerd world and feeding your fandom. Crash landed. From comics to video games. From the cinematic universe to television. Connecting you to the biggest stars in the industry. Something out there had discovered us. It's time for the Down and Nerdy Podcast. Here's your host, James Witham. The time for heroes and maybe even a little bit of luck. It's episode 309 of the Down and Nerdy Podcast. I'm James Witham, and apparently, again this week, it's morphin' time. As a matter of fact, I'm going to be talking to the Yellow Ranger herself from Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, Beast Morphers, Jacqueline Sislowski, about what's been going on in this second season, about being a part of the 900th episode, and of course, the new episode's going to be airing this Saturday morning at 8 a.m. Eastern Time on Nickelodeon as well. But yeah, we've got another new show to talk about too. Going to give my review of the first episode of Vagrant Queen from Sci-Fi. Going to do spoiler-free because, you know, this show posts early on Friday and I don't want to give you any spoilers or anything like that. Also got a great new sponsor this week, my bookie. A great way for you to pass the time when you might have a lot of it on your hands right now. But up next, speaking of no spoilers, it's what we're reading. Talking comics next on the Down and Nerdy Podcast. This is writer Brendan Fletcher, and you're listening to the Down and Nerdy Podcast. Boy, it feels great to drag out that long box right now, doesn't it? Even to fire up the tablet or the laptop. Hey, whatever you're reading on, it's time for what we're reading. And this is one I actually specifically waited to review this for a while because there was a lot of early reviews coming out. So I wanted to go ahead and do it now. Exo Man of War number one, the 2020 edition from Valiant Entertainment and Dennis Hopeless Hallam on the writing. You know, he's been on the show before. Emilio Liso on the art. Ruth Redman on the colors. Hassan Atsmane Alahu on the letters. I might never get that name right. I need to really ask how to pronounce that. Christian Ward doing the cover, which is amazing. There's a lot of great covers to that limited edition bronze cover. Hopefully you get a chance to get your hands on that somehow a little bit early. But as I was reading this, in the first few pages alone, I could tell this would just be a much different tone than other EXO stories that I've read. I mean, just the relationship between Eric and Shanhara alone just had a completely different vibe to it. And there's really... Nothing wrong with that at all. I mean, there's still a threat to destroy the planet. And, you know, Exo has to step in and, and stop it and try and save the day. So that that part of it hasn't changed. But that kind of doesn't come without its challenges. But these are very different challenges. And they're presented in a very different way. And it's something that Eric really doesn't deal with much. And that's, maybe this is a minor spoiler, the real world. That we're seeing how he has to deal with the real world and real world consequences to what he's doing and trying to save the day. And it's really interesting and seeing Eric out of context at times just really felt refreshing to me. And it actually made this a bit more of a fun read. I've always been a fan of EXO. EXO was one of the first books that I picked up from Valiant and made me a fan of the publisher. But when I see this different context like this, and maybe even for lack of a better term, lightening it up a bit, it just felt it felt different in such a really, really good way. I also love the fact that we kind of had the villain lurking in the shadows for most of this issue as well, too. Like, we know that something's looming 
but he doesn't sort of thing. And that played out in a very kind of old school way that was just, it, it was just a really, really cool vibe for me for some reason. I just, I just liked the way that that all played out and that the, the, the focus was more on real world aspects than it was on that for most of the issue. And I, I just thought that that brought something really different to it. Now, I don't know how Valiant does it, but the art in this book, once again, so clean, so streamlined. I don't know if they have like a artist tree out back of Valiant headquarters or something, or if they just have a direct line to great artists like Emilio Liso or, or Liso. I, how, I'm not sure how to pronounce that either because you know I'm terrible with names on this show. Come on. But for me, there's not a single page that won't be a feast for your eyes in this book. And if you're an EXO fan anyway, I think you'll agree that this is a really interesting change of pace. There seems like that we're going to have a legit villain that just happens to be cool looking too, by the way. And there's never anything wrong with that. There's just so many great factors at play here that it's no surprise to me that I'm putting another EXO Man of War book in my poll go ahead and grab this one from valiant however you can you're and if you want to get into valiant this is actually a good jumping on point you can read this without having any prior knowledge of exo and still enjoy it as far as i'm concerned this is a character that's been around for a long long time and i will not have to introduce you to him it's a new judge dread book from idw uh, judge dread false witness Number one, written by the great Brandon Easton and Kai Zama on the art. You've also got Eva De La Cruz on the colors and Sean Lee on the letters. Now, what was interesting to me here, and again, this is one of those things where really early on, I realized this was going to be kind of a different story because this is a Judge Dredd story, which Dredd himself really isn't the main focus of this first issue. The story actually follows a courier named Matthias Lincoln, who's trying to deliver a package to a very wealthy client. I say the term courier loosely. I use the word client loosely as well. Take that for what it's worth. Now, we've kind of seen this movie before, right? When you when you read stories like this, when you're, you're the guy that's supposed to be delivering something, you're not sure what you're carrying, you find out what you're carrying, and that kind of changes things a little bit. Not only that, but pretty much all hell's breaking loose in Mega City 1 as it is, thanks to some very strategic pot stirring in the media. And, and it's it's kind of interesting that we're going through what we're going through now. And there's a certain group that's being targeted in this book for a very specific reason. And it's just, it's very timely in a very odd way because there's no way when, when Brandon wrote this that, you know, you could have known that we'd be living in the time we're living in right now. And it, it, it oddly... It really hits home in a in a kind of a. It's kind of sad that that's the case, but it it really kind of is right now. And I'll leave that for you to interpret when you read this book. But I mean, Dread does play a role in this book, but it's almost in a way that he's not quite sure what he's about to get himself into, and the evidence is slowly starting to point him in a certain direction, and and really the gravity of what the situation. Is going to be the story also brings two worlds together in a very interesting yet horrific way. And if you're a fan 
of Judge Dredd stories in general, you'll know which when you read it, you're like, oh, okay, I so I know exactly which two things that you're talking about. But the but the connection there is what happens towards the end of the issue, and that's what makes it horrific. And once you read it, you'll understand exactly what I'm saying. Now, the art in this book really reminded me of the classic Dread stories of the early days. That is a 100% compliment, by the way. I really love getting that vibe from any new Judge Dread book that I read as somebody who's a, who's a fan of the character. The action scenes in this book are crisp, and there are a lot of them, let me tell you. And it's, it would be easy for the colors to get muddled in that sequence as well. So, I mean, a tip of the cap to Eva De La Cruz on that, who does a fantastic job. Dread himself, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a believer that if you're going to do a Judge Dread book, Judge Dread has to stand out. And in a book where I say he wasn't the main focus of this first issue, when you do see Dread and he is doing his thing, he really feels larger than life, like this bigger presence. Even if he's not the largest person in the room or the largest thing in the room, it feels that way. And it just comes out in the page in that regard. So, even though he wasn't the main focus story-wise of the book, the presence is still felt there. And that was a really, really important thing. And one of the reasons why the art was so important in this book, you had to make him matter in the moments that he did have. And you know that Judge Dredd is going to matter going forward in this story. I'm a Brandon Easton fan. I don't apologize for it. Throw this one in my poll box too. You should as well. It's Judge Dredd, false witness number one from IDW. That's going to do it for what we're reading up next. Going to talk about Vagrant Queen, the first episode from Sci-Fi, the comic adaptation from Vault. We'll talk about it next on the Down and Nerdy Podcast. I'm Magdalene Massaggio, and you're listening to the Down and Nerdy Podcast. It's time for the royal ass-kicking to begin. That's right, the first episode of Vagrant Queen from Sci-Fi is going to be premiering tonight at 10 o'clock Eastern Time. I say tonight. If you're listening to this on Friday, so Fridays at 10 o'clock Eastern time for Vagrant Queen from Sci-Fi, of course, the adaptation of the Vault comic from the same name. Now, if you don't know anything about Vagrant Queen, I want to make sure that I get this right for you. So I'm actually going to read a lot of the synopsis for, for the entire series. Then that way you kind of know what's going on. The story actually follows Alita, who is played by... Adrian Ray, who is an, a child queen and then orphan. She's kind of an outcast for very, very good reasons, I will say that. So she sort of becomes a scavenger. She goes across the galaxy trying to find stuff to sell off to make money. That's kind of exactly what's going on. But she's also being hunted by the Republic government, who basically wants to wipe out her entire family. That's where it's at. She also runs into an old friend named Isaac, played by our guy Tim Rozon, who might have some very important information for Alita that she's going to want to follow up on, which, again, I cannot give way to. And then we've got Amy, who's also another ally that we're going to see come in this first episode as well. So, again, I I really have to kind of tap dance around here because I want to be spoiler-free. I want to respect anybody that hasn't gotten to see the first episode yet. I got to see it a little bit early. And I will say this. This is a show, and this is not a knock, by the way. This is not a a knock against the show. This is a show that absolutely 100% doesn't take itself 
too seriously. It's a, it's a thin line between your your sci-fi your your classic sci-fi series and a spoof of a sci-fi series because it, it kind of pokes fun and it's it's I don't want to say it pokes fun at Star Wars specifically, but it pokes fun at the tropes of a super intense sci-fi type of movie or series or story in general. And it it kind of has fun at its own expense at times too, I think, which was really, really interesting when I was watching this first episode. And there's a lot of humor in this first episode too. I will say that. I mean, there's some serious stuff that happens as well. But it really, more than anything else, it gave me that B-movie feel, which which you could take that for what it's worth. You either say, well, I guess that means this isn't a top-of-the-line production, or you could take that to mean it's something that could end up being a cult classic series. It's all about perspective. And I will say this, a lot, and I mean a lot, of practical effects other than when like the ships are actually flying. But I mean, come on, you can't put a ship in space and film it for something like this, right? At least not the kind of ships that, that, that you would need to film for the show. So that there, there's going to be some CG there and it's, and it's not the greatest CG. I'm going to be honest, you know, but, but these are very short sequences, but pretty much everything on here is practical effects, including the, the aliens, for lack of a better term, that you're going to meet along the way in these different systems that they go to, right? And this is still a space sci-fi series. You're going to go to different systems, different planets. You're going to encounter different aliens. It's it's just very interesting. And then, of course, humans are also part of that as well. I automatically 100% love the dynamic between Tim Rozon's Isaac and Isaac. Adrian Ray's Alita. There's just some chemistry there that is really, really fun to watch. And I say chemistry not in a romantic sense. Actually, that doesn't mean there isn't chemistry in a romantic sense. I will let you find out exactly what that's all about when you watch this episode. See for yourself. You tell me what you think. But I got to tell you, I got to tip my hat to... Paul DeToit, who plays Commander La- Lazaro in this for the Republic. He is the closest. That he reminded me a little bit of General Hux from this from this latest Star Wars trilogy because he was such a arrogant douchebag. And he basically did whatever he wanted. No apologies for it. And he was just a jerk to everybody. And he just carried himself... But yet he would seem to screw up more than anything else and blame other people on it. So he's your classic douchebag villain for sure. If you if, so, if you were looking for a reason to, to looking for somebody to hate on when you're watching this show, it's gonna be Lazaro for sure. And yes, there are some really similar vibes in this show to other, and it's not just Star Wars; it's other things in sci-fi as well. You're gonna feel some similar vibes and that's okay. And, and it almost, again, it almost kind of pokes fun at other things that came before it, but there, there's certainly something that happens 
And it happens quickly, too. This is one of those things where you're like, oh, you could have drugged that out in a few episodes. But there's something between Alita and Isaac that's, like like I mentioned in the synopsis, it's kind of a game changer for what's going to happen next going forward in future episodes. And it makes perfect sense. Now, did they play that card too quickly? I'll let you be the judge of that. I mean, I, I tend to think that they might have been able to save that for a couple of episodes down the line, but how they drag it out from here on, maybe drag it out's not the right term, but how they continue to tell that story as things go on, I think is going to be the key to this entire thing because there's definitely going to be more going on than just this little twist. But at the same time, you've got to, you've got to make this pay off and how quickly or how long you wait for that to pay off is going to be pretty key. I think there, there's, there was one character that I really, really loved in this first episode. When you meet Nim, you're really, really going to love this character of Nim. I'm telling you right now, it, it, it's going to happen whether you want it to or not. It's going to happen. And I don't want to give anything away about this character other than fearless and just really, really likable, at least for me anyway. But, and as far as Alita's concerned, there's more going on than just the Republic being after her. There's also something else that we're going to find out in this episode that adds a whole new layer to this story. And going back to the synopsis, it will make sense once you see what I'm talking about, once you remember who Alita is, who Alita really is. I should say, but this character is really more of a tortured character than you would think. I mean, this is a woman when she was younger, saw something pretty horrific happen right in front of her eyes before she was sort of cast away to, to basically save her life and being on the run and trying to earn a living as a scavenger sort of thing. It, it, it is not easy. And you get to see the toll that this has really taken on her over the course of her lifetime and you know the you know there's certain things that come with that with trust issues and stuff like that and so that certainly comes into play as well and then you you really kind of when you when you see Tim Rozon's character of Isaac you really kind of it's another one of those deals where almost like Doc Holliday from Wine on Earp the other character that Tim Rozon famously plays is like okay well what's this guy's game really whose side is he on really or is he just on his side, period. Maybe that's what's going on here. So, you know, Isaac's definitely going to be one to watch for sure. And again, to kind of round things out here, you're not going to get top-of-the-line special effects. The fight choreography isn't quite as up to par as as I would have hoped that it would have been. Again, first episode, pilot episode, these things are going to improve, I believe, as the show goes on, but it takes you to a lot of neat places. You see a lot of neat aliens right in the first episode. You get to see this living, breathing dynamic of these systems and the Republic that is kind of a, almost like a laughable villain, but at the same time, one that you have to take very, very seriously. This show is just lighthearted. Again, it's got that B-movie feel, and for me, there's nothing wrong with that at all. Sometimes you just need a good B movie to keep you entertained. And this show, 
did keep me entertained. I, you know, I always have that sliding scale of, okay, so how many times have I have my phone in my hand when I'm watching this? And, and you know, that, that happens to the best of us, right? Even if it's something that you like watching, sometimes you've got your phone in your hand. Well, I got to tell you, I didn't pick up the phone a whole lot when I was watching this. And, and maybe it was just to see whatever the reason was. It doesn't really matter, does it? The point is, is that I was invested. I was locked in and I was paying attention. And I certainly found characters that I liked, characters that I wanted to root for, characters that I couldn't stand. I was engaged in this. And yeah, I want to see what happens with the twists that we got in this episode. And while all the jokes didn't land for me, there was still enough humor there where I was entertained. I was definitely entertained by Vagrant Queen from Sci-Fi. So yeah, give it a give it a watch. Give it a, check it out. Fridays, 10 o'clock Eastern Time on Sci-Fi. Curious to see what you think of it. It's not one of those sci-fi series that's going to jump out at you effects-wise or even or even story-wise, but it is one of those things that's going to be fun and I think will definitely keep you entertained. This week, the Down and Nerdy Podcast is brought to you by MyBookie. And you know how things are right now. Sports pretty much at a screeching halt. Also, the casinos in Vegas are even closed. So if you want to bring a little bit of that into your home, whether you're having to shelter in place or you're still going out to work, you could play your games like Blackjack and Roulette, Slots, War, and things like that. And, you know, it doesn't matter where you are with MyBookie. I mean, even if you're not a virtual poker type person, they still have online live dealers 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And if esports is your thing, they they actually have partnered with some leading esports brands. You can actually have some virtual action on stuff like NBA 2K and things like that. Basically, the industry leaders are who you want to dress at this time, and they're reliable. And best of all, I mean, they pay fast when you win. So you go to mybookie.ag, you use promo code DNPOD, you get 150% bonus on your first casino deposit. That's right. Enter promo code DNPOD. You get 150% cash bonus for your first deposit that you can claim for those extra funds all the way up to $750. So if you're looking for something to do and a way to win big, you spin, you win, you get paid with my bookie. Please play responsibly. That's going to do it for my spoiler-ish review of Vagrant Queen from Sci-Fi. Up next, yeah, I think you can probably guess what I'm going to be talking about on Nerd News. It's up next on the Down and Nerdy Podcast. This is comic book creator Jerry Conway, and you're listening to the Down and Nerdy Podcast. Unfortunately, the COVID crisis continues, and this time touching the comics world. It's time for Nerd News, and something that... We've kind of seen coming, I think, and now it is a what we do now, what do we do now type of situation. And I'm talking about the fact that Diamond Comics Distributors, basically the main distributor of comics, has decided to cease receiving products for distribution because of the coronavirus pandemic. Now, a lot of printers are shutting down as well. It's It's been hard for publishers to even get books printed, never mind distributed. And there's a lot of comic shops whose doors are closed because of these strict guidelines set by certain state governments as far as businesses that are only able to be open if they are absolutely essential 
businesses. So basically what's going to be happening here is products distributed by, and the whole thing's on Newsarama, by the way, if you want to go check out what they, what they post, the full statement there. Products distributed by Diamond and slated for on-sale date of April 1st or later will not be shipped to retailers until further notice. So anything April 1st and greater just not going to be shipped because and and some of this isn't isn't necessarily safe either that that that's part of the whole that's part of the whole thing here and and this is a big deal and basically means that comic shops whether they can stay open or not or even offer a delivery or a pickup service will not be able to sell new comics in in print form and that is, I mean, you tell a comic book shop that they can't sell new comics. I mean, sure, you've got people that'll come in for back issues and, and trades occasionally, you know, toys and, and collectibles. And, you know, that you've still got plenty of people that'll play, you know, magic and stuff like that and Pokemon inside stores, right? The, the card gaming is still, the you know, deck building is still happening in comic book shops as well. But at the same time, it's still a comic book shop. That's their main function is to sell comics. So so there's a very much a what do you do here situation. Before I get to something interesting that, again, Newsarama posted from one retailer that I think definitely deserves a discussion, that is, first of all, a lot of comic shops struggle with people not picking up their weekly pull for, like, months. I'll admit that I had done that in the past where I would go, you know, a month or two without picking up my pull. I know, shame on me, but at the same time it was when my my son was first born, I was dealing with a newborn or or a one-year-old and it's hard to get, you know, it's hard to pack the kid in, take him up to the shop, grab the comics, plus you know, money's tight when you got to buy diapers all the time. Maybe no excuse, but at the same time that's that's where I was at. So I would eventually go pick up my books. It would just take me some time to get there. Now that we are in this situation that we're in, if you are financially able, if you've got stability, if you're able to work from home, if you're getting a paycheck, you will this is the time to support your retailers by going and picking up that pull if you haven't already pick up your comics. That is a hugely important thing if you are safely able to do so. Practice safe social distancing and stuff like that. Make sure you're following all the guidelines to be safe, but at the same time, do what you can to pick up your books because that is hugely important. That is direct money in that shop's pocket that they absolutely need to survive. And there are already some across the country that have said they are not surviving because of this. Also, find any shops that will... that will sell gift cards. If there's shops that you know that'll sell gift cards or some sort of credit or something like that, anything you could do to help them now for future purchase, I think is something, and I know that not all shops offer gift cards, but if if yours does, that is an option of something that you can do to give them hard cash right now for the promise of something that you can purchase when they finally are able to reopen back up as normal again, it's almost like buying buying comic bonds in a certain way to just kind of keep things going. But I really, and in that respect, I want to point out one particular retailer, the owner of Comic Conspiracy 
in Sunnyvale, California. His name is Ryan Higgins, who took a lot of heat on Twitter for the suggestion. And I'm going to go ahead and paraphrase what Ryan said. And that was working out a deal with Comixology and Amazon to provide digital codes to retailers so that they can sell to their customers and you can get a free print copy when the store reopens. Now, I know that there's a huge fear among retailers that if you do this, if you get your customers hooked on digital, they're never going to come back. Well, I don't think that that's necessarily true because there are plenty of customers. If a customer is coming into a comic book shop in the first place, it's likely that they want that print copy in their hand. You want you. There's no sense in collecting a digital edition of the first appearance of Punchline from DC Comics, right? You want that physical copy in your hand. You want to be able to get those first appearance issues. You want to be able to get those big event issues. You can say you had them and you didn't buy the trade. You've got the single issues. There's a certain amount of pride in that among comic book fans. There are plenty of reasons that most comic book fans who are actually physically going to a comic book store will not stop buying their print copies. Plus, there's variant copies that that, that are a part of this whole conversation as well. I know that's not a huge part of the market, but at the same time, there are so many reasons to actually buy physical books that and, and there's some reason Marvel and DC. There's plenty of books that they have that come with a digital copy anyway. So you're you're giving you're you're already selling this to your customers for the most part. Because I'm I'm guessing that the vast majority of your business is Marvel and DC books, right? So if they're already going to get a digital copy of a lot of these stories in the first place, why not just make that digital copy available for retailers to sell? And then they get the physical copy later instead of the other way around. I don't see the problem here. I really don't. If we're do, if we really want to do whatever we can to keep these shops afloat, then that's what we need to do. And there's there's some that, and I'm not going to name names here because I don't want to call anybody out, but suggesting that you just kind of stop making new comics, I don't think that's the answer either. I mean, I know that some publishers are altering their release schedules, maybe releasing fewer books. We're only focusing on a certain number of books. That's fine. I'm not. I'm not calling. I, I think that every publisher should do what they think is best for their business. And if they're able to do one thing or not do something, then that, then that is the, what they think is best for their publishing line and their business. And I'm never going to fault anybody from the publishing standpoint of what you think is best for you going forward. But at the same time, I think if you have no new comics to sell, you're going to not only kill the retailers, but you're going to kill your publishers as well. And what we're going to end up with is Marvel, DC, and maybe a couple stragglers after that. That's it. That can survive this. Because we don't know how long this is going to be. Nobody knows how long things are going to be the way that they are now. You can talk about lights at the end of the tunnel and everything all you want. And I'm not going to get into the whole thing, but there's the truth of the matter is, is that we just do not know how this is going to shake out. And you expect a comics, comic shop retailer, some of these are smaller shops too, to be able to survive through April, through parts of May, without being able to sell any 
new product as far as comics are concerned, that is a tough, tough ask for even your most profitable retailer. That is a hugely tough ask. So if, and if you, and if, some publishers decide they're just going to keep putting out new books digitally. And there are some publishers that have digital-only comics anyway that are being published. And they might go to print later, but they would be digital first anyway. And I'm guessing those comics are still going to get made. So you're not going to have absolutely nothing new comics-wise. But at the same time, you have to realize that if your if your customers really want to read something, they're gonna get it from somewhere. They and you yeah they might come back and buy that print copy, but the, the whole getting hooked on digital thing I understand that that could happen from that aspect, but if you're and you might have it more likely if someone could buy a digital copy if they know that that those proceeds are going to the retailer. And the retailers still getting what they would be getting anyway, and then you still get that physical copy later. Plus, I mean, what's the problem with retailers getting an idea of how many print copies they need to order? I mean, you get a vague idea a lot of times, right? But you don't really get more of an exact idea. This could de- decrease returnability if that's an option, and and a lot and credit to a lot of publishers that are offering returnability to give some of these retailers relief. I will say that 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 is a great thing that a lot of the publishers have done. Again, I don't want to name names. Uh, I think that everybody's done a pretty good job for what they they feel like is best for them. But there's a lot of things that we're trying to do to help out these local comic book shops. I think that offering that that these. Shops being able to offer digital copies to their customers for print copies later is a solid idea. I understand why a lot of retailers might not think that's the case. But if you really think about it, comics are not going to stop being made by certain publishers. That is my guess anyway. We're not going to stop making comics for who knows how long just to be able to make sure that they're sold in print. I don't think everybody's going to do that. Maybe this... Would be maybe this is going to be a boon for a place like Webtoon and stuff like that, who you know are digital only anyway, and maybe there'll be more eyeballs going to that. Maybe that's not necessarily a bad thing either. But don't stop making comics. Make it easier for retailers to sell digital. We we've, we've already try, wanted to try this in the past. Why not really try to do this now and see where it goes? And and if your retailer doesn't feel comfortable with participating, you don't have to participate in your area. You make your choice for what's best for your business, both as a retailer and a publisher. I would just say as a retailer, you need to be careful with the choice that you make because this business isn't necessarily going to stop just because of everything that's going on with Diamond. I wanted to get deep into that really quickly. I want to get into some other stories and I hate to do these kinds of stories, but this one I think is important that Wonder Woman 1984 has been delayed from June 5th until August the 14th, smart move. We have no idea what things are going to look like June 5th, even if things are back to normal. How many people are going to be comfortable going to the movies on June 5th? Who knows? By August, hopefully we're all, you know, feel, you know, we're feeling a little bit more at ease. We're going to be itching to go out, especially to the movies. So I think that was a good move. Unfortunately, the Scooby-Doo movie Scoob was taken off the schedule by Warner Brothers. Not sure exactly when that one's going to happen, a couple of other 
have been have been shifted as well. But this is why I waited, and and you know I, I can catch heat for this sometimes. I waited to talk about this because there was there were some stories about the possibility of Wonder Woman 1984 going straight to digital, and that's how things were going to be done there. And I I knew in my soul that that was not going to happen. There was no way they were going to release Wonder Woman 1984 straight to digital under almost any circumstances. Now, if we are still dealing with this in August, and let's hope that we're not, if this is still a topic in August, and it looks like there might be a second delay, they might do that. There is a chance that that might happen. But right now, I don't think anybody thinks or even can imagine that being the case. So why not just push it to August if you've got that option? And two months isn't that much longer to wait. I mean, look at all the other delays that have happened. So waiting two months, not that big of a deal for a movie that is slated to be money-wise one of the biggest of 2020 anyway. Don't take your chances with this. If you can move it a couple months, do that, and hopefully the world is a much safer place and a lot more folks are going to want to go to the movies than they did before. Speaking of delays, we got a little bit of an update for what's going to be going on in the Arrowverse with the CW, according to the Variety. The Flash has been has had its season finale, anyway, postponed. I don't need to tell you why. You already know why. But apparently the report also says that the show has enough uninterrupted episodes to air through May the 19th, which is very, very interesting. So the show will return on April the 7th and be able to air all the way up to May 19th. That's pretty good. That's a lot better than I would have thought that they would have had. Now, this also affects Stargirl, apparently. Now, Stargirl is not going to be airing on the CW until May the 19th as well on the CW, but it will air first on DC Universe on May the 18th, so that will still be the commercial-free airtime for that, and then you'll be able to watch it once again on the CW the next day. So Monday on DC Universe, Tuesday on the CW. That's how that's going to work. Now, Legacies has also been delayed in the same way as The Flash, and so has Supernatural. So the final season of Supernatural, that has also been delayed until May as well. And and again, we just don't know when anything's going to start back up again. There's no way to know for sure. So, I mean, you could say that that's a huge problem or you could say that, you know, it kind of is what it is. I mean, I think that we've almost gotten to the point now where you're at the point of acceptance, right? You just don't know how long things are going to last. Is it going to last longer? Could it be shorter? We just don't know exactly what's going to happen. And, you know, depending on what news reports you read and all this other stuff, it's just, it's really nuts. And hopefully... We have some firm answers soon at some point. But again, until that border opens back up, there's no way these shows are going to even be able to start filming again. And if they've only got an episode or two left to film, that could make for for an interesting conversation as to how they might be able to finish the season, should they be able to shoot anything at all. Now, there is a little bit of an update to the story I was just talking about a few minutes ago. But again, you know, as I record this show... You know, things can change rapidly. And we found out the Dark Horse Comics has vowed not to release any of their new comics digitally until they are back to print. So whenever, again, whenever that is, Dark Horse will still release their graphic novels and still release their art books and collections because those are through Penguin Random House. And that will go to go to bookstores, so that will still happen. But now we know the Dark Horse in particular 
is not going to be releasing anything digitally. Like I said earlier, no judgment to Dark Horse. I mean, if that's what they feel like is best for their business model, then that's exactly what they should do. And again, you should support local comic book shops. I just feel like there's got to be a way to be able to do that digitally and still give local shops a piece of the pie. And maybe that's what we should be, we should have been doing all along. That's an argument that we can make for another week. That's going to do it for Nerd News. Up next, going to be diving in to the world of Power Rangers Beast Morphers with Jacqueline Sislowski. That's up next on the Down and Nerdy Podcast. Hi, this is uh, Ryder Ryan Parrott, and you're listening to the Down and Nerdy Podcast. The season two of Power Rangers Beast Morphers is going strong right now on Nickelodeon. And, you know, about a year ago we talked about Beast Morphers, so I thought, why not do it again with Zoe herself, the Yellow Ranger. It's Jacqueline Sislowski. How you doing? I'm doing great. So first of all, congratulations on being back for another season, which seems to be going really strong. Did you all know that you were going to be back for a second season, or was there some doubt about that? Um, yeah, we actually knew that it would be two seasons for sure, um, because we originally, when we got it, um, we had nine months to film both seasons, so we knew right off the bat. But yeah, we're definitely excited with all the feedback so far for season two. It's definitely getting a really great response, so that's awesome. So I want you to take us back to the beginning a little bit here when you were first finding out about the role and about the character. I mean, Jackrabbit isn't the most common animal as far as, like, powers are concerned. So when you found that out, that that would be your DNA strand for Zoe, what was your reaction to that? You know, I was actually really excited because um, I I love rabbits. I love um I actually grew up my stuffed animal, my kind of companion as I was, a toddler and everything was a bunny. I had this stuffed animal. Nice. So, um, it felt sort of like meant to be and like a sign from the universe. So I definitely was super excited. And kicking me my main superpower and having a chopper as a zord. I mean, it was all, it all came together quite awesome. And I felt pretty, pretty cool. So I think everybody knows there's a long and storied history when it comes to the Power Rangers franchise. But you actually had to be a part of a very big moment recently. So what was it like being a part of the 900th episode? Absolutely mind-blowing. <laughs> I mean, it, it still blows my mind every single day as to how many different generations grew up with Power Rangers and that the kids watching my season have no idea how many seasons before them there was. But not only are the kids watching the new season, but their parents could also be longtime fans of it as well. So it's really awesome to see such a huge age range and such a huge following and family that's been created because of this. So definitely absolutely insane to me that 900 episodes have been shot and aired now. That's amazing. <laughs> I'm sure that you've actually gotten a chance, whether it be in person or on social media, to actually interact with some of those fans too. Have you had some of those experience? where you've had, like, oh, 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 well, I watched this when I was a kid. Now I'm watching it with my kids, too. Yeah, I mean, I've had fans reach out to me. I have so many, like, personal messages that I get, and I actually get a chance to read through some of them. But, um, I mean, even in my family, I have um, family friends who, when they found out, I mean, they're, you know, the same age as my parents, and they were absolutely mind-blown and so excited because to them it was – even more of a deal than I had realized that it was at that time because I honestly hadn't even realized how huge the following truly was and how many people, um, Power Rangers, I mean, 
is something they they collect things for. They they have all the comics. They you know it's 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 almost like their entire childhood and like passion now. So um, yeah, it's 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 definitely been really cool to not only have the kids um, personal messaging me or coming up to me, but also um, older fans as well. So that's definitely something interesting. How cool was it too to have that? That partnership with the Make-A-Wish Foundation for the Orange Ranger, that was something that I remember talking about uh, a few months ago. How cool was it to be a part of something like that? I mean, it was definitely, I I love that, you know, Power Rangers, everything that it stands for, and being able to help people and um, always just giving back in any sort of way um, with Power Rangers is definitely super great. And it, it makes me happy to see that we can use, you know, our special powers, you know, not only on the show, but to do some good and in real life as well. So it's definitely a really great feeling. Now, things have already been really crazy this season, Jacqueline. I mean, Evox is back, everything that happened with the mayor and so much more that's already happened this season. How much of a bummer actually was it with Evox returning? Because, I mean, Zoe actually came up with the idea of how to defeat him last season in the first place. So how bummed were you? Like, oh, he's back already? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's, it's we thought we had a break there for a minute to, to relax, maybe take a few vacations, but he came back real quick and we had to get straight back to work. So, But it keeps everything interesting, keeps us on our toes, and a lot of really cool ideas and um, battles and things that are still to come. So definitely exciting. Talking to Jacqueline Sislowski, who play, of course plays Zoe, the Yellow Ranger on Power Rangers Beast Morphers, which you can watch every Saturday morning at 8 o'clock Eastern Time on Nickelodeon. Now, Jacqueline, Blaze and Devin kind of had a rivalry from the very beginning of season one. We've seen Zoe have some run-ins with Roxy, but there's also been some friendly times as well. So would you consider them rivals? And if not, would you actually like to see Zoe get a rival at some point on the show? Um, You know, I think when when Roxy was still um, good, it, I don't really think that there was ever kind of a rivalry between them as just, um, you know, as people both that worked at Great Battle Force. Um, I actually think, in a way, Zoe admired her and kind of even, you know, I think they sort of taught each other. Um, obviously, we don't really see that on screen, but I definitely think that they had more of a friendship than um, a rivalry like Devin and Blaze did. Um, I definitely think, though, um, as we stay tuned in season two, you definitely do see um, more rivalry kind of brewing, and I think. You know, the Roxy, um, the evil Roxy and Zoe um, definitely play more of a uh, bigger part in season two, which I'm very excited about for everybody to see. I think even in last week's episode, we saw, um, I think, one of the first battles between um, evil Roxy um, as the purple um, avatar now and Zoe um, fighting for the first time. So um, definitely really excited about that, and I think it will be more of a juicy sort of content to watch as there's now two rivalries as well. There you go. I think the fans are pretty excited about the whole relationship between Zoe and Nate as well. Did you actually know that there's fan fiction out there for Zoe-Nate relationships? I didn't, actually. Yeah, there's actually fanfic. If you Google it, there's fanfic of it. Oh, wow. Oh, my gosh. I will definitely have to look that up. So how's that response been? Because clearly it's pretty popular. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I think... When Abraham and I had found out that um, our characters were kind of going to be love interests, um, we were, I think, even more excited than any of the fans even knew because we wanted to get, we were thinking of our ship name for nice. every single day 
since we had found out. And we uh, we actually came up with Naomi because we really didn't want like wow. I know. <laughs> so Naomi was like our pick, but um, yeah, no fans took um, the the Nate and Zoe relationship and they love it and they flew with it and I love seeing all the edits and all of that. So. So your next episode's cruising for a bruising that's going to be coming up on March the 28th. And after things, you know, kind of started with, with you and Ravi and, and Devin, you've kind of all slowly started to add more Rangers to the team as you go. And in this upcoming episode, it seems like you might actually be looking to add another member maybe. Can you tease for us a little bit? Ooh, I cannot, but I don't know. You'll have to stay tuned. All right. Well, we, we will definitely be doing that. But I, I want to talk about the show as a whole, again, kind of backing things up a little bit. One thing that I actually love about Beast Morphers is that you guys kind of continue to have a commit to, commitment to focus on a lot of environmental issues and, and saving wildlife in general and things like that. How happy are you to be able to continue doing that in this second season as well? Yeah, I mean, going back to um, the the previous one that we talked about, I just, I love being able to not only just do my work as an actress, but also give back to the community and also, you know, bring awareness to things. And um, I love that Zoe, even in the show, um, I mean, she tried to create these bicycles to, you know, stop as much pollution and all that. And I love that because I think, you know, sometimes in shows that I don't think that sort of, um, subject is brought up and I think kids seeing that at a young age especially now in this time that we're in you know seeing that we need to try and figure out how we can help and you know do little things just in our household to help the environment and everything is so important and it it can be shown in such simple ways like you know promoting bicycles um, rather than driving everywhere away. Now Jacqueline ironically enough I actually talked to Colby Strong around this same time last year and I asked him if there was another Hasbro property that he would love to see the Power Rangers cross up uh, cross over with at some point so I'm going to ask you the same question is there anything in the Hasbro world or any other property you'd love to have a crossover with with the Beast Morphers at some point oh my gosh well Transformers obviously yeah there it is he and I would be absolute best friends (laughs) Um, oh my gosh, yeah, I don't even know. I mean, even My Little Pony, like, that would be kind of cool. I mean, all of a sudden, maybe we morph into, like, ponies instead, and I'm, like, a young wow. jackrabbit pony of some sort. I mean, like, all of them. Can I say that? Yeah, clear, clearly you've thought this through, actually. Clearly you've had this in mind for a while. <laughs> Hopefully we'll get a chance to see that happen at some point. <laughs> Now, Jacqueline, before I let you go, you know, I was doing a little doing a little digging, and fans might not actually know, but years ago, you actually had a small role in Man of Steel, and 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 that was a while ago. So, I mean, it's still that movie still gets talked about a lot. So, do you remember what that experience was like? And are there any other DC movies now that things have kind of expanded that you'd love to maybe jump back in and be a part of? I mean, that experience was so awesome. Um, I got to see, Di- um, I believe her name is Diane Lane. Is it Diana? Yep, you got it, you got it. Okay, cool, yeah. I actually got to see her act right in front of my eyes in the scene with me, so that was absolutely incredible, and the crew and everything was so awesome. It's such a fun time. Um, but as in the DC Universe, I mean, a lot of people, I know there's a lot of new Star Girls that are coming out, mm-hmm. um, but a lot of people 
sort of superhero of some sort I would love to play. I mean, I always say that Jason Bourne is also like a dream of mine. Ooh. Girl, star girl, all those things. I mean, I'm always, I'm always happy to jump right in. Well, we know what you're already jumping into, and, and fans can watch it every Saturday morning at 8 o'clock Eastern Time on Nickelodeon. That is Power Rangers Beast Morphers' new episode starting back up once again on March the 28th, and you'll see her a lot. It's Zoe herself. Jacqueline Sislowski, thank you so much for joining me this week. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. It's funny how certain properties are spanning generations, right, in families and stuff like that. And I thought that was a really cool thing that Jacqueline Sislowski brought up was that, you know, she knows people that, that, you know, their parents watch the show. Now their kids are watching the show and enjoying it as well. And talking about like seasons 26 and 27 of Mighty Morphin Power Rangers and different iterations over the years, it's just really, really cool to see that spirit keep going and just allow fans as parents and children that's just a really really cool thing to be able to bond families together and that's one of the great things about fandom isn't it one of the great things you've got to love about mighty Morphin power rangers so whether it's with your kids or by yourself make sure you're watching mighty Morphin power rangers beast morphers brand new episode happening saturday at 8 a.m on nickelodeon that's eastern time you're not going to want to miss out on that that's going to do it for this week's edition of the Down and Nerdy Podcast. Again, thanks to Jacqueline Sislowski for joining me this week to talk about Power Rangers. You can always find out more about us and our previous interview with Colby Strong from Power Rangers Beast Morphers as well at downandnerdypodcast.com. Also follow along on social media at downandnerdy757 on Twitter and on Instagram and at downandnerdy on Facebook. Don't forget our sponsor this week, MyBookie. Go to MyBookie.ag with promo code DNPOD. You get 150% bonus on your first casino deposit. Please play responsibly. And remember one thing, you never have to apologize for being a nerd. So let your fan flag fly and be good to your fellow nerds.